0: Mean Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with
1: Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again. I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we unpack our bags and we talk about stuff. Stuff that impacts us all uh, with the hopes that we can somehow find a way to make breakthroughs and move forward together, because that's truly, that's the only way we can all move forward together as humans right? And so I'm extremely excited. I have two Safe Conversation alumni uh, joining me this evening, and I'm excited about the conversation. They are two of my favorite people. And so I want to just take this this time to welcome Ashley Nelson and Lucy Woodhouse. Thank you all for coming on again.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Y'all glad to be here? Or do you feel that like I kind are. of twisted your arm to come back?
2: We'd do anything for you, Kevin. And we're, uh, I'm thankful. Thanks for asking. It's always fun to have real conversation because, as we all know, we don't get real conversation all day or during the day.
1: That's true. Sometimes we, uh, I think sometimes we want to have, I think we all desire real conversations. But again, like you said, for whatever reason, whether we're busy, whether we're just afraid or whatever, but we're going to dig into all of that. I'm, I'm just excited uh, for y'all to be here. So Ashley, can you just start us off by, again, you're a Safe Conversations alumni, just like Lucy, but you briefly tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started.
0: Absolutely. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Ashley Nelson. I am a mom of a five-year-old daughter named Aubrey, I am a proud Winthrop alum. I have been employed with the Bunnell Foundation for nine and a half years. Um, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, and I'm just me. So you're going to learn more about me as I talk with Kevin and Lucy tonight.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And Lucy, if you would just do the same, just let everybody know just a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, I am South Carolina, bred and born. Uh, I've been lucky to live all across South Carolina, but haven't wanted to leave the state very long. Uh, I have been in nonprofit administration my entire career, so I feel like I can make the world a better place. And so that's sort of what my focus has always been. And I am lucky enough that I uh, have two wonderful boys who are, have flown the nest but they still stay in touch with me. And, um, I moved up to the upstate from down on the coast so I could be closer to my parents who both are, um, older and I can be close by in case they need me. So I am, I'm back up in Spartanburg, South Carolina now.
1: That's awesome. And I appreciate y'all doing that. Uh, again, and, and I also like to thank our, our listening audience, um, You've been sticking with me for a little over a year now. Uh, so I thank you all that listen across the country and in other countries, because these conversations that we have are really uh, global conversations, because whether we're in one side of the world or another, we all have the same issues that we're dealing with. So I'm going to cut to the chase and, and we're just going to dive straight in. Um, so Ashley, 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 you, you, <laughs> You are on, I wouldn't say the hot seat, but you're on the hot seat, right? Okay. You recently made, we're friends. We're all friends on social media, right? And we keep, we keep up with each other. We encourage each other. We support each other. And you made a, uh, a social media post recently that caught my attention. And that's really why it, it sparked me pulling you two awesome people together just to have a conversation and and so I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote your social media poach. You cool with that? I'm cool with it. All right, cool. It says, what happened to intentional conversations? The space with less assuming, less social media, stalking and creating our own narratives, less gossiping and real authentic dialogue. Take me there. Please. Those are your words, right? You own them? I own, you own them. them. Okay. So here we are. Here we are. Um, to have, and I don't know what sparked that because we had, we didn't talk. And once I realized that I really wanted to invite you back on, I went out of my way not to talk to you to try to find out what sparked that comment. Right. So but if you don't mind sharing with us, what what caused you to be in that headspace? Where did where did that comment come from? Because it seemed like you were borderline, frustrated or frustrated, but something there was some triggering event that sparked you to post that.
0: It was a conversation. Um I guess it was an unintentional one, but it was a conversation that came from somebody trying to piece together social media posts that i had to try to build a narrative as opposed to just flat out like you're doing or like you have done asking hey well what's that about and they they kind of they tried to build their own story off of what they thought the post was about because one thing about social media people Assume that posts are always about the person posting. Mm. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it could have been something they saw on TV, something they heard on a podcast, something that they experienced in the airport. It doesn't always have to be about the person posting. It could be to evoke conversation or to see where the mindset of your followers were or are. Um, And so somebody tried to do that with me, tried to, not have the conversation but try to build their own narrative based on and honestly it wasn't even something I. it wasn't even words i posted it was pictures that i posted and they tried to i guess pull together what i what i have or had going on at the time so that's where the post came from
1: Mm. and so how just that whole situation you described how did it make you feel? Did you feel, make you feel frustrated? Did it make you feel misunderstood? I mean, how did, how did it make you feel?
0: There was a bit of frustration there, but it also, I think I unpacked what I felt in the questions that I asked about, well, what happened to just having a conversation? Like how far removed are we as people From just sitting down and talking with somebody or just picking up the phone to say hey where were you this weekend or hey what do you have going on we just assume that something is one way or another by what we Mm -hmm. see and a lot of times it's it's not even that but we have escaped conversations Mm -hmm. you know we'll send a quick text message hey what's up just checking Mm -hmm. on you And the response is usually, oh, I'm good. And a lot of times we leave it at that. And I'm good could be a defense mechanism. I'm good could just be, I'm going to get you off my back because I don't want you to ask anymore. But we we have gotten away from just having dialogue with people.
1: Hmm. And
0: so we assume Lucy says she's good, so I'm going to leave it at that. Wow. And if I really know Lucy or I really new lucy i would know if i'm good meant i'm good or i'm good meant i don't feel like talking about it right now but because we've gotten away from that we don't know what i'm good we don't really know what i'm good means yeah. and we leave it at that
1: wow and and I'll you know just i'm not adding to what you're saying i'm just kind of giving my own thought i know exactly what you're talking about but for me it hits closer to home. I'm not speaking for you. I'm speaking for me. When that situation happens to me, it hits closer to home when there's someone that I feel should be able to come and talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Total stranger, hey, whatever. Hey, what what's the term? K-I-M. Keep it moving, right? Total stranger, keep it moving. But someone that's supposed to know me, that I feel should be able to come and talk to me shouldn't have to fill out fill out, fill in the blanks. Lucy, I see you nodding your head and you're smiling. What, what, what's your feeling on this? What you think about it?
2: lately? One of my when Ashley, when you were talking, one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone texts me, and it's it's a loaded text. Like you can tell there's something going on, and my first instinct is to call them back because I'm not going to text my answer because it's more than 126 characters or whatever. And plus, I don't love texting because I'm a, you know, I'm a one person, you know, a finger texter. So I, but I'll call them and they won't answer the phone. And I, I just that you're right. I mean, people are away from a conversation and there are so many things that could be solved if you just pick up the phone and talk to me for a second. And it's with my children too. I mean, I can tell Mm. when my child doesn't respond to a text message from me. Um, Every week on Mondays, I text my youngest and just say, happy Monday. Love you. Do great. And if things are going well, he'll text me back. But if things aren't going well, I hear nothing. And so then I know, well, I better call and just check in on him. And I know he's in the car driving. He's in a car and mm-hmm. two hours a day driving, and he won't answer the call. And then you get more worried and more worried. But then when he finally calls and talks to me, it's all better. Both of us feel better, everything. And I just don't know why people are scared to have the conversations anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm the first one to pick up a phone and call and most of my friends won't answer. Kevin does. You always answer when I call you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So do you, I mean, what do you think has gotten us away from that? Um, is it technology? Do you think that that's gotten us away from that? Because, you know, as you were talking, Lucy and Ashley as well, I was thinking about Sunday evenings at my house when I was growing up, we would come home from church. And of course, we'd eat dinner. My parents would get ready for you know work tomorrow. We, were, you know, preparing to get ready to go back to school. And my mom would be on the phone. There wasn't any cell phones, wasn't any email. She would be on the phone Sunday afternoon, evening after church. She would talk to someone in New York. She would talk to someone, another family member, maybe in Texas. She would talk to someone from church. And, of course, me and my older brother like, man, man, she's just gossiping. She's gossiping. But she was communicating with everybody, right? And when she finally finished, she had all the tea. Is that what it's called now, the tea? The tea. She had yeah. the tea. She had the tea. She didn't have to fill in no blanks. She knew what was going on from New York to Texas after church. Everything, you know. So here comes technology, right? And I think sometimes people hide behind emails and text messages and even social media, right? Do do you think that's the problem? Because how can we really expect our politicians and world leaders to get it right in terms of communication or the lack thereof when we can't on a lower level, kind of like what you're talking about, Ashley. So
0: I I think technology plays a part, but I I think we're just filled with distractions. Mm. And it has taken us away from being present. You know, I could be cooking dinner and while dinner's cooking, I could text I could check my email. I can do all of these things. So, you know, at some point it became a thing of, oh, I mastered multitasking. Like you had to be a multitasker. So yeah, I've proven I could be a multitasker, but I haven't been present in any of the things because I've given a little bit of meat to cooking. I've given another part of me to the emails, another part of me to the text message. And I might throw in some laundry at the same time. You know, all the things you just try to, Then we say we're trying to maximize our time. But again, all of those things deter us from being able to be present. And um, one of the things that I committed to a month ago to finish out, you know, I I wanted to figure out some things that I could really be intentional about in closing out this year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things was being present with my daughter. I mean, we spend time together. We might watch a movie together. Of course, I take her to and from school. But to me, that wasn't enough in being present. So I committed myself that I'm going to take out at least 30 to 45 minutes a day to be present with Aubrey. No phone calls, no text messaging, just the two of us. And for her at five, she doesn't have a cell phone. So I can't text with her. Mm-hmm. So I've got, I have to have communication with her. And even sometimes with her as a five year old, it's kind of like, School was good. Okay, well, tell me more. But you you have to pull it out of her, and perhaps as grownups, we have to go back to pulling it out of grownups as well. But I think we have, we just have so many distractions, and not necessarily negative, but they they become negative when those things take us away from the things that are important.
1: Mm. Mm. You want to chime in on that, Lucy?
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, I, I, I get that I, I agree with you that there are a lot of distractions, but I also think that we're getting lazier because it's it's hard to be uh, relationships are hard. I mean, you have to commit time to them and you have to be committed to what is your goal with this person or, you know, let's talk politicians. They, they they're taking the easy route. Um, it feels like, or who's paying them the most money. I mean, they're, they're taking the easier route. And generally, the things that are most valuable are the, the things we work for and that we have to work on and that we commit to. Um, I, I, I just feel like we're all a little bit lazier. It's easier just to text and pick up the phone and, you know, commit some emotional time to somebody. Um, it's easier to ignore a problem and maybe it'll go away because you can ignore, you know, you can avoid it because you don't answer the phone call or you don't respond to an email. Um, it's hard to be in a relationship, any, anything. So that would be mine. I I think that we're, we've gotten lazier. Social media has made it easier for us to be lazier.
1: Wow. (laughs) So as you were talking, let let me ask y'all this. When you were growing up, did everybody eat dinner around the same time all together in your homes?
2: Yes, in my house, I remember my mother making us sit. We had this nook where the the two youngest would have to slide in, and then the older ones would. You know, my mom and my big brother would be on the outside, so the younger we were stuck in the in the nook, mm-hmm. um, and. Mom was we mom was divorced, so she she was a single mom working a big job and taking care of the three of us at home. And we but we sat down. I mean, she wrote a menu. It was on the refrigerator. Mm. We Look at the menu and we would sit down and and be at that table. (laughs) So, yes.
1: Yeah. What about you, Ashley?
0: Yes. Um, Yeah. Even when we didn't want to. Especially, you know, as we started right. getting older, it was, I don't want to do, I, you know, I've got practice, so I have this, that, and the third, but that was a staple in our family. Yeah. We're going to yeah. sit at the table and we're going to have dinner.
1: And that was mine too. So as Lucy was talking, that's what came to my mind, that picture, the table, right? And how, you know, as we we, we, we all talked about, we all agreed that when we were children, that was a place that we gathered, and you. And it was funny when you said it, Ashley. Even when we didn't want to, I could, I could hear my brother. Man, don't nobody want to sit down at a table tonight, you know? Say, so I could hear it, you know. But we knew we we what happened at school, what's going on in the neighborhood, you know, what's coming up. I mean, the commute. You had to communicate. And so, when I thought about the table, I thought about our communities. I thought about our country. I thought about the region. I thought about the world and how we can't get everybody just to sit down at the table, right? For or if we do, we sit down and we do what Ashley says. We're, we're distracted. We're not present. We look at our watch. We look at our eye watch. We look at our our laptop. We we're we're not focusing on the issues. At hand, the issues at the table, and uh, and I think that table is a very important place uh, for us to be. I mean, that is the only way we uh, we 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 have breakthroughs. We don't have breakthroughs whispering in the corners or out in the lobby. We we have to come down and sit down and bring our problems, our concerns, our fears, our challenges, everything. To the table, and we got to stay there. I wish we could sit at the table, and I know I'm exaggerating, but I wish we could sit there and actually have seat belts right at the table so you couldn't get up and leave, even when things got tough or things got yucky, or even though you didn't mean to, you hurt somebody's feelings or somebody hurt yours. You know what I'm saying? I just believe that there is power in staying at the table and muscling through whatever it is, whatever the challenges of the day. Uh, So I just think, uh, again, and it it all goes back to the big C word, right? Communication. We don't we don't do a good job of communicating today. We don't. So, Ashley, I got to ask you and I'm not asking anybody's identity or ask you to flash any names. Did you did you get your issue resolved?
0: I did not get my issue resolved, but I cannot put the blame on the other person because I didn't seek a resolution.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty good that you said that because I probably was going to call you out and say, well, why? My next question is going to be, well, why? Why, Ashley? Why hadn't it resolved the issue? So tell me this. And I know you're in the hot seat and I'm putting you on the spot, but why? You know what I'm saying? If this if this, this issue is still lingering and it's still out there and you feel some type of way about it, why... Ha- th- let me ask you this. Does the person even know that you feel some type of way about it?
0: <laughs> uh, I think they do know I feel some type of way and I felt some type of way before that conversation. So um, <laughs> I'm sure they know that I probably still feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess if I had to rank people, I wouldn't, I'm not so sure that that person is high enough on rank that I really need a resolution from them. Um, Mm. As they say, pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. That's not a, that's not a person that I'm going to be in continual conversation with that I need to get past that point. Um, I'm at peace within myself with that person and how they feel about me or don't feel about me. But there are people that are connected to me that I want to make sure that I'm intentional about the very things that I posted. So if it got to a point where things were contentious between us, or there was a cause of concern that we needed to talk some things out there, there's a part of me that will seek that conversation one way or another with that person and not assume. Um, But for me that comes with where those people are in my life and family, friend, colleague, I'm willing to embrace that space. If you are an associate or just a person that has an opinion, I'm not sure I'm going to absorb energy and trying to get to that place with you, at least at this point in
2: my life.
1: Hmm. How do you feel about that, Lucy?
2: I—I I, I, The older I get, <laughs> the more I, I seem to rank. I'm with you, Ashley, on that. That is this worth my time? Is this worth my energy? Is that, do I want to in, invite that into my life or mm. do I need to step away from that? And I I've, I've been evaluating some people who were supposed to, who I, I thought, Oh, I need to be friends with them. And now I'm starting to question, why do I need to be a friend? If it's right. a friend, it should be a friend because I want it to be not because I, so I, I, I hear you on that and there it, Again, I'm going to go back. Relationships are work. And so am I willing to put the time into someone as much time as they're willing to put back into me? Mm -hmm. And is it a positive thing or is it a negative thing? And if it's a negative, why do I want to invite that into my life? Um, And I mean, how many times y'all do you feel like every time Kevin calls me on the phone or friends from down, you know, Elise and all my friends call me on the phone like you're instantly like lit up and Mm -hmm. feel good about the conversation and you hang up and you feel really good. Isn't that what I wish I want to surround myself with that. Why do I want to surround myself with a hang up and I'm like, Oh, I think I said the wrong thing. I shouldn't have said that. Or, Oh, I hear it from another friend that they were upset because I said something. I, no
1: <laughs> that's funny no but you're <laughs> right you're right can I add Something. yeah please
0: for so long it's all it seems like it's been a negative to to disagree but mm. it can be healthy to disagree or to be on opposing ends of whatever it is whether that's it's so. we we are we have a different political view or we mm. have a different religion or We have a different sexual identity, whatever that difference is for so long, it's been a negative thing about it. But if we can agree to disagree and we leave and it's healthy, what's wrong with that? Yeah,
1: no, you're right. And um, I I had a conversation with someone recently, um, older gentleman uh, that didn't look like me. Right. And we were talking and we were talking about the same thing. And And he made a comment that I've never heard before. But I was like, he just, bam. Hit me hard. He says, Kevin, if we're sitting at the table and everybody at the table thinks the same way, then we're not doing much thinking at all, are we? And I said, hmm, that's pretty profound. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the uh, we have to be able to coexist and, and agree to disagree. Honestly, brothers and sisters growing up, do we always agree? Always agree? No. No. Family members, do we always agree? No. So, again, it goes back to what Lucy said about the work. Relationships take work. They really do. But everybody has to be in. You know what I'm saying? Because if I don't feel like it's being reciprocated, then there's the disconnect. If I'm putting all this effort in and I'm trying to make it work, but I don't, I'm don't, i not feeling that love bounce back at me, then I, I feel you. I check out. I check out. So let's shift gears. You are both influential women, influential human beings in your field. Uh, and you've been exposed to a high level of leadership training. I know this for a fact because we've all, uh, alumni of the Waccamaw American leadership forum. In your opinion, what do you think? And we kind of talked about communication, but what do you think are the things that are holding us back? Uh, and, I'm, and when I say us, I mean humanity on a local level and across the globe. What do you think is holding us back? And we'll start with you, Lucy. What do you think?
2: So I want to uh, I had four. I have four things that okay. I thought through today when I was thank Thankfully, you sent me a couple of questions to think about, but i um, obviously face-to-face. I mean, that's been the biggest that that we're missing out on the face-to-face conversation. And working at Wofford with this lifelong learning program, I started the job during COVID. And so Mm -hmm. the first year that I was here on the job, most people I met through Zoom on this kind of platform. And when we got to meet in person, everybody had a mask on. And to see the transformation of these people that my first time I met them was by video and social media and a mask, um, to see them blossom and to see who they really were after they got to take the mask off and sit down and come in my office and sit down and talk. It just, and then you're reading all about all the kids that are having mental health issues and they're struggling and uh, because of, COVID being locked up or, you know, in the for two years. Um, so that face to face, the social cues, the body, cl- the body clues, the touching, that all of that I think is the number one. Um, we're, we're too far away from that as far as I'm concerned. The second thing is listening without judgment. Um, and that is so hard to do. And I've, I've gotten more and better about thinking about when I see someone that doesn't look like me or or someone that's here that comes through, that comes in my office, that I have to just take a minute to myself to say, just listen. Listen to what they're saying. Don't judge. Don't, don't make a decision before you even hear what they're talking about. So that listening without a judgment is a big one, uh, I think. Um, showing vulnerability. In the last month, Or six weeks, uh, we found one of our classmates from Wofford committed suicide, and I I I, just—I it's the fourth or fifth man from our generation of class of, of our classes that have committed suicide, and so I just don't think I think men and women too think that showing vulnerability is a weakness, but. I think it's the biggest strength you can show is to say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. So kind of changing that perspective that vulnerability means a weakness and it's not, it's a strength. Um, and the fourth one is, and this is my new one that I've been working on is staying, people are staying in their lanes too much. Social media and everything is narrowing our lane that we're driving on and we're seeing and the, the view that we're seeing. You know, you you follow your Twitter people or X people and you follow your Facebook people and you, 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 you're in this little lane and you're just going down that lane and you're not looking up and seeing, oh, wait, maybe I should turn here and go take this road that I haven't taken. So pushing... St- getting out of our lane and being not scared to try something new. Um, Ashley, you said you're spending quality time with your daughter every day. My big one is trying, doing something new every week, just something I've never done before. Like this is my, this today is doing this with you guys. Um, But making and pushing myself to do something to push, to make sure I don't get in that gut and in that lane. So those are my four things.
1: That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So uh, Ashley, I'm not putting you on the spot, but out of those four things, I guess I kind of am putting you on the spot. Out of those four things, what would be the most challenging for you?
0: All right, I'm phoning a friend. So Lucy, give me your four again.
2: Yep. yep. Face-to-face, and we need to have more face-to-face. Um, two, listening without judgment. Three, showing your, showing vulnerability is a sign of strength, not weakness. And s- not staying in your lane, but being willing to, to get out of your lane so you don't get caught in a rut and caught
0: in a smaller world. The vulnerability one would probably be the hardest for me. Only because I have already started to work through the fourth one, um, staying in my lane and Mm. getting out of my comfort zone. I am a play it safe person and have been for as long as I've known. But I have really been challenging myself to get past that because I know that where God is calling me to be requires me to to do number four a whole lot Mm. more. But the vulnerability one would probably be the hardest for me.
1: Wow. OK. Thank you for that feedback. And so to why you have the floor. What do you think, in your opinion, um, that's holding us back in terms of humanity? What do you think is holding humanity back?
0: So I pondered this question since you kind of shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, And let me first say I didn't have Lucy's answers, but I totally agree with what Lucy said. Mm hmm. However, I think in addition to that, is we have lost sight of us as individuals. Like we mm-hmm. have become, we've become our titles. You know, I'm proud to be a mom. I'm proud to be in WOW. I'm I'm proud of the titles that I have, mm-hmm. but that doesn't that doesn't define who I am. And because we embody our titles so much, whether it's where we work, or if we're married or if we're a parent or we're in a, a civic organization, we embody our title so much that that's not only who we think we are, that's who people see us as. Hmm. And I think, you know, as I'm, as I'm talking through it, I think that goes back to the point of conversation. We don't even dig deep enough to have the conversation to know that I'm not just a Benell employee. I'm not just Aubrey's mom. I am a person, but we we don't get to that, to the core of who we really are with people. And oftentimes we don't even do it within ourselves. We add on title after title, position after position. We add all these things onto ourselves. And that's what, hey, I I check in at Benel at eight. When I leave Benell at four, now I go back to being full-time mom. When I slip out Mm -hmm. for a meeting, now I have to put on this hat and we become all the things that we do and that we're a part of and we lose the essence of who we really are and I think as a society we are a lot of who who we are a lot of our titles mm-hmm. and we see less of who we really are and we don't take the time to see not only who we are but who others are.
1: Wow So I'm gonna ask Lace Lucy and I'm prepping you what you thought about that but before you do i gotta say this ashley what you just said was very powerful and so it made me think about my all-time favorite movie do y'all know what that is
2: no Hmm. no
1: it's the lion king and my favorite character in the lion king was rafiki do you remember rafiki No, that's okay. Well, Rafiki was this old wise uh, monkey, right? And Simba was lost. He was lost. He'd run away from his family. They thought he was dead. A lot was going on. And he was debating whether or not he was going to go back home. And like Ashley said, along the way, Simba forgot who he was. And he in this in this older wise monkey had to tell him, Your problem is you don't even know who you are. And once that revelation was revealed December, he got it. You know what I'm saying? And everything fell in place. And I and, I, and I'm with you on that. Um it is easy, and I think we get numb to people making those judgments on who we are based on title. I can tell you for A long time, you know, in my law enforcement career when I would walk in the room and and maybe it it was me, maybe it was my president. I don't know. But I would walk in the room and people would say, hmm, what's that dude's problem? Right. Lucy can attest to that. Right. And not really knowing that. I'm a guy who would rather to be rather be clowning and laughing 99% of the time. You know what I'm saying? And so people make that assumption. We accept it. We rock with it. And, and so, like you said, in essence, we kind of shift outside of who we are based on the way other people see us. Sometimes I think. And that's not a good thing. So, Asti, I really, really, really appreciate you making that point. That was a great point. What you think Lucy? How you feel about that?
2: I I I like that and I agree and I just wish that like I wish I could sit down and be like Simba and suddenly know like who I am <laughs> and who my essence is and mm. that I would believe the things about myself that I yeah. could trust them and um I posted recently but I, there was a quote in a garden that's near my house um, this little, it says, uh, please help all who pass by here to believe the truth about themselves in spite of how magnificent it is. Mm. And I just, I just, that is, that to me was just like, you know, we all, we do spend all the time. And I feel that Barbie movie, I have not seen the movie, but I have mm. seen America Ferrera's part about women and I just all of that speaks so much to me that we have to be so much to everyone and everything. When can we like figure out what we are to us ourselves mm-hmm. and appreciate the good that we are, and not I'm too fat or I'm getting too old and I'm too whatever. I did. I mean, some people are scared of me. I mean, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Why can't we just? accept who we are and know that we're magnificent. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. I see you smiling, Ashley. You agree?
0: Totally agree.
1: Yeah. yeah. You have
0: to send me that quote, Lucy. I need that. Oh.
1: That's big. It's pretty profound. Um, I could see how that would catch your attention. So, you know, with the, with the, both of you being women of two different races, can you talk about challenges that uh, you both face today uh, as women, right? But then talk about a challenge that either one of you may be exempt from based on your race. Let's start with Ashley.
0: This was another tough question, but Mm. um, I couldn't, I honestly could not pinpoint a challenge that I've exempt from because mm-hmm. of my rights. Um, so I, I'm going to ponder on that one beyond this podcast. We, we might have to have a part two for that.
1: Okay. All right. For that. I'm down with that.
0: Um, challenges. Interesting. I just came back from a conference in Montgomery, Alabama. And one of the sessions was about the glass cliff and about the transition of leaders. And there are a lot of statistics about how how much harder women have to work. And even in philanthropy, although we see a lot of women in in the philanthropy world, there's still a struggle for that equal seat at the table um, of a man. And there's challenges in terms of salaries, in terms of the respect that you get, And, you know, I remember when I started in philanthropy, a lot of nonprofit boards, the norm was it was going to be comprised of older white men. Mm -hmm. And I kind of challenged the conversation at first. And the feedback I initially got was, well, wait, (laughs) the typical um, board member is asked to be a donor. And we know that that's where the wealth is. So, well, there, there are a lot of things that women can offer that would be more than what they could financially contribute to any organization. And to me, that's priceless. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been interesting to see, you know, I've only been in philanthropy nine and a half years, but it's interesting to see how that dynamic has shifted in terms of the value of rather it's a minority whether rather it's a, a woman in those spaces at the table. Um, and, you know, I think as women, it's just a challenge to be, one, to be respected for who we are. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge in saying that we deserve that seat, that power, just because of we have a different gender doesn't mean that we can't and don't already own the spaces that we're in. So it's that, I don't necessarily look at it as a fight for power or a fight for that level of respect, but it's something that as women that we're continuing to have to work towards
2: every day.
1: You agree with that, Lucy?
2: Well, I used to until I went through the American Leadership Forum. And it was at the last day or whatever that we, or one of the days, we wrote um, constructive criticism to each other. And one of mine was from Charles. Is it Charles in Columbia?
1: Mm -hmm. Charles Weathers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wrote on mine. He said, you need to start looking at yourself as a leader first and a woman second. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that like, it was, I mean, you know, the whole spirit of that, I didn't take it personally. I took it to heart. I mean, I was like, you're right. I mean, I am. Okay. I'm a woman. That's fine. But, when I step into a room or when I'm at a table, I am a leader first. And I got there because I was a leader and not using that woman that uh, to see that anyway, it's hard because I I mean, I'm still treated that way. And I, you know, I can, I can see what's happening around me. And I, I can see how I'm in a room with people and that, the men are still the ones who are driving whatever's happening. I mean, I can see that. But if I take it as an offensive as a woman, I, I like it better how Charles told me, take it, see yourself as a leader first. Don't do don't say that you're a woman. Not that that's less than being, I mean, that it's a bad thing to be a woman. It's just, you're a leader. You you matter. Yeah. You. I mean, I think that's what he's saying to me. Give your confidence, get... You have the confidence, you have the skills, you have the training. Behave that way, and then stop. And then they'll see you as a woman. And I, I don't. I I mean, it maybe it's anti-feminism or whatever, but that was good for me, and Mm -hmm. it was a a a good a good way for me to stop being an angry woman and just be a leader.
1: (laughs) Mm. I got you. Okay. Well, cool. On, On the flip side. If you would share um, some challenges that you think uh, you and Ashley would have in common, and then if there's anything that you think, any challenge you think you would be exempt from because of your race.
2: Um, Ashley, I I was interested. I liked your answer. And um, earlier you said something about... um, the being an individual and that that finding that individual and and being able to share that and so that's a big challenge as a woman. Like you said, I mean, we are mothers, we are we are other things, and it's hard to 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 be a person when you are all these other things. And mm-hmm. so I, I agree with that. Um, one of the things that recently. I love the TV show Miss Maisel. Uh, it's on Netflix. And one of the episodes, it, the, the father, and this is in the 50s, um, the father is a Jewish father sitting at a table with three other men. And they're sort of kind of beating themselves up about life and they, they aren't keeping up with the changes of life. And the father says something about my daughter, he, he's like, she's amazing. And I, I took my son to work with me and I, I did all these things with my son, but I never did them with my daughter. But my daughter is the one who her husband dumped her and she bought our apartment and she created this incredible life for herself. And he, he said, how, how did she get to be so remarkable and fearless? Cause I am, I'm not fearless and I'm not remarkable. How did she get that way? And how, what would she have been like if I had encouraged her and had believed in her? And, you know, I'm the same way. My dad, I don't, my dad has never really, he treats my brothers. When we're in a room, he'll talk to my brothers, but not me. And I, I'm a nonprofit. My brothers are in for-profit. Their jobs are much more important. They have more importance. And it was so interesting to me that how as a woman could we have blossomed or how much more could I have blossomed if if the men around me when I was growing up saw me as an equal instead of, mm-hmm. oh, that little girl that does nonprofit and she's, you know, she's a girl. Yeah. and. Ashley, I didn't know what your life situation would be, but what would is that something that growing up the men around you were you treated equally or were you treated differently?
0: I'd probably say equally cuz in terms of siblings, I'm the oldest of two and it's two girls. So, and I was the on my dad's side, I was the first girl to come into the fold, so it was it was all things, Ashley. For one point in my life, so I didn't, I didn't feel that way growing up um, in, ter- in, a, in the family structure. I did have some challenges with that, even as early as elementary school. And um, I was in fifth grade, and there was a boy in my class who I literally used to help him with his work every single day. And it was time for the end of the year awards. And before the letter came home, I was already, I knew that I was going to get this letter for the highest average, and I didn't. And I remember coming home crying to my my parents saying, I deserved it. I got robbed of this award. And my, my mom would typically go to school for stuff, but this time my dad went to school. And he mm-hmm. went and had a meeting with my teacher and said, you know, Ashley came home, she told us that, she didn't get this award. And I know from talking to my child every day after school, she used to help this, the boy who got the award, she used to help him with his work. So <clears throat> what happened? What was the breakdown? And the explanation my dad got was they had the same average. We had to go to the 100,000th of a point, And that's where the divide came. And that's how he got it. My dad said, so how do you explain that to a child as opposed to both of them getting mm. the award? There is such a thing as a tie. How do you explain that yeah. to a child? And the teacher just looked at my dad with a blank stare and didn't have an answer for him. Wow. Uh, so I saw it in the classroom and I'll be quite honest, I've seen it as a, as a black woman, even in my career. I've I worked at Verizon prior to being at Bunnell. So there wasn't a lot in terms of talking to customers, there was not a face-to-face interaction. There was just, I'm just talking to you. And there were times that you, how the conversation went and, you know, they, they tell you in training, you have to be mindful of how you interact with your customers, but it has, it came to a point in several conversations where the customer on the other end would not directly ask, but indirectly asked if I was a white woman based on how I spoke on the phone. Transition to moving back home and talking to people over the phone. At my current job, people would talk to me over the phone and then come to the office. And I have seen people have their hand on the doorknob and look at me like, wait a minute, that wasn't the person I was talking to on the phone. <laughs> and then they open the door and it, the conversation is kind of uncomfortable at first because I wasn't right. expecting you. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it's interesting, but I have certainly seen,
2: seen it play out. So that would be the, the, one of the things I thought maybe we both were challenged just being a woman and the way we are, we're, we're treated in every day mm-hmm. family or work. I mean, throughout work, I've, I've always been like, Oh, she's that nonprofit girl, whatever. Um, But I was going to say one challenge I think you might be exempt from just because you've been, that has been a big challenge for me is when I moved up here to Spartanburg, I I literally, I mean, I knew maybe four people in Spartanburg when I moved here and it was during COVID. And so basically just having to reinvent myself has been a big challenge. I mean, you know, and as people, I've gotten to know more people and different people and they're like, oh, you were CEO of the United Way? Like, who are you? I mean, it was, but it's, that's been a big challenge. And I mean, I've, I've tried to get involved in the county and the city and different things. And they're just like, you don't have the experience. We don't, you know, no, it's okay. We, it's all right. We can, we, we'll, we'll, we found someone else that's got more experience. And that has been incredibly hard. And so reinventing yourself in a new city with with trying to be, I don't know, that's been really hard. <laughs> so
0: so Lucy, I would. Polly's isn't a new city for me because I grew up here right i would say reinventing yourself in the city you grew up in is even harder Mm. because you you have the expectations of people that knew you when you were younger that you either have to meet or you have to try to change that narrative because i'm not that person just trying to fit into that space Um, Mm -hmm. and it took me years to have to even build friendships back at home. I mean, it was nothing for me to get in my car every weekend and go to Columbia or go to Charlotte with my adult friends that I built along the way because it was just trying to just be me coming back home. And it's like, oh, you went off to college. So people assume that you're so different and people assume that you're better than them or you think that you're better. So just trying to find that level of comfort back at home was tough. Um, again, I've been, it's almost 10 years that I've been back and it's gotten easier, but it was hard the first five or six years. And perhaps I got a new identity when I became a mom. I think that's where I started seeing, <laughs> seeing the shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, reinventing, I would agree, Lucy, reinventing, whether it's a new city or even back in a city that you have spent some time in, it can be tough. Wow.
1: Well, awesome dialogue. And, and so, Segue into uh, my next question. You talked about being a mom. Y'all have that in common. If there's one thing um, that you could do for your children to make the world better for them in the future, what would it be? We'll start with you, Ashley.
0: One thing that I could do different, to have more acceptance of, Friendships relationships beyond differences okay. um, you know my daughter I told I told the story at work a while ago. Um, last year I dropped my daughter off at school. She got out of the car and I look back in my rear view mirror and here's Aubrey in the middle. To the left of Aubrey is her friend who is Hispanic mm-hmm. to the right of Aubrey is her friend who was white. And the three of them are holding hands, skipping into school. Wow! And at the time, as four-year-olds, all they saw was "I like, I like my friend." Mm-hmm. They didn't see nationality. They didn't see race. They didn't see any of those things. And I, I, just look back and smile. I went to work with that. Wow! What if we, what if we as ad- adults embodied that? Mm-hmm. We appreciated and accepted our differences. And that didn't hold us back from building relationships, being able to work together, being able, you know, you, you look at the, one of the places that should be safe is our church. And yes. our church is probably the, one of the most segregated spaces. But as a child, as a, four, as a five-year-old now, I just hope that Aubrey can continue what she started with her friends again, beyond race, beyond nationality, and forge that bond in relationships. One of the things I fear as a parent is having to have that conversation mm. about mommy, why why am I treated different or why has this been different? And I would love for her to live in a world where that conversation doesn't even have to exist, that mm. she can just be. Oh,
1: that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. What about you, Lucy? What would you do to make things better? Make think better, for uh, your sons in the future.
2: I, you know, I've been very impressed. They, I think, I embarrass. I mean, I know I embarrass them. We we're lucky enough. We every couple of years we go off on a trip together, the three of us, and we go mm-hmm. explore some different city or do something together. And I'm always like, they always are like, you're so backwards you're so you know you don't get it or you know why are you why would you say that don't don't do that or whatever and I, I feel like they are so much more open and like mm-hmm. they don't see things like I did when I was younger which is awesome I mean in one sense I love that uh, if I could change like personally if I could change something there'd be two things one would be I wish I could get that media would report unbiased truth. I mean, mm. I just wish,
1: That's big. I just
2: think yeah. that that has just been so awful for our yeah. society. And I just, I wish there was some way that, that, that I, I don't, if it's Supreme court, if it's the politic politicians, mm-hmm. if it's the people on the ground level that we could, that, That media would do unbiased truth. Mm -hmm. You know, I hear about, I know there's propaganda everywhere, but I just, you just don't know what to trust anymore. And I think those kids in our kids' generation who are living on social media are just, they don't have, how did, they don't trust anything. And I just, I wish that, I wish that there was. Some way, and now with artificial intelligence coming out, I mean it's it's getting even worse. So I think that would be, I mean, my ultimate goal. The the other little one, I think I brought this up before, but um, I think if there were sidewalks in all the neighborhoods, I just Mm. wish there were sidewalks in all the neighborhoods. Because when you see a neighborhood that has sidewalks, you see, I see so much more activity and. chalk drawings and balls on the yard and all this stuff but the yard my neighborhood doesn't have any sidewalks and Mm. i'm a big walker and i bet in the three and a half years that i've been here i bet i have seen a total of 10 people when i've been out walking and Mm. half of that is the same the same people And that just makes me so sad. I mean, Mm. I just, I would love to see sidewalks everywhere.
1: (laughs) I like it. I like sidewalks. That's big. (laughs) Well, I appreciate y'all. Gosh, y'all had fun?
2: We always always have fun with you, Kevin. And Ashley, it's great to see you. Mm -hmm. I've been really, I I met you probably about the time you started at Bunnell. Mm -hmm. And you've grown up a lot and you have matured a lot and that you have, you have really done a great job and I'm glad that you are at Banel and I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of you for what you've done and, and how you've recreated yourself at mm-hmm. Bunnell. Um, kudos to you. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you I ever. could just sit here.
1: Y'all make my life easy. I could sit here and uh, listen to y'all all night. But we've come to the point, right, in the end of the show. And so the new tradition on my show, you were both alumni, but I added a new tradition. And that new tradition is for my guests to be able to ask me one question wherever they want. So in this case, it'll be two questions for me, one from each of you. And I will do the best I can uh, to answer your question before we close out uh, this episode. So, Lucy, I'll start with you. Take your best shot.
2: So I, I have three different questions, but I'm saving two of them for phone calls. When I'm going to okay. call you one morning, and I'm going to ask you a question so you're going to okay. know. But the one I wanted to ask, and I, I, I want to ask you, Kevin, but Ashley, I want you to weigh in, too, if you have. Um, I just, how, how have things changed from when you were younger until now the way you are treated as a human being who has brown skin. Do, do you see that that things are are moving in a, a good direction or a, a more positive direction or do you not? And I mean I I'm very interested in that.
1: Well um for me that's that's a really good question. For me, um, I think it boils down to going kind of going back to what Ashley talked about, the scene with her daughter, you know, and what she saw in the rearview mirror. I think as a as a child, I you know, I, I dealt with some some tension and issues when I moved from Harlem to Charleston and just but I was it was just because I was different. But I think as I got older, I was more aware. You know, it's really hard for me to say if it's things are better or things are worse. As I got older, I became more aware of things, um, you know, uh, you know, racial tension, uh, microaggressions, little slights, whatever. I became more aware. Um, and so, you know, you throw in family, you throw in career and and i've always had a problem with this uh and maybe i'm answering a question maybe i'm not but i think a lot of times people look at professional minorities right who they believe who they perceive to be professional minorities differently than they do the entire race you know what i'm saying almost like uh they they look at us as tokens or 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 whatever and in that that um that part has always bothered me like deep like a deep pain you know what i'm saying um so so Lucy that was really a tough question um and in the best way uh for me to answer it is to say yes i'm i'm more aware of things now and then i don't know if that's good or bad right it's hard for me to gaze that but uh but my hope is like we talked about earlier that we could all somehow find a way to sit at the table you know what i'm saying and 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 work and walk and talk and 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 find a way to make things better for everybody that's that's just the best way i can answer that question that was a tough one That was like a Dan Rather question. That's pretty good. Very good. You
2: you would expect nothing less from me. That's right.
1: That was real good. That's real good. All right, Ashley, take your best shot.
2: So
0: every year I choose a word that is my word of the year. Mm -hmm. And I choose that word at the beginning of the year. So you had to prep for 2024. So I'm just going to ask you, if you look back at 2023, if you had to define it in a word,
1: what would your word be? Favor. Favor. My word my word would be favor because, hmm, that's good. Honestly, wow. That's pretty good. The word favor comes to mind because at this point, you know, at this juncture on my journey, I'm really... Looking back a lot. I'm looking back. You know, I'm paying attention to what's going on now. Yes, I'm looking to the future, but I'm I'm really looking at where I came from. And I remember a time of my life where I didn't have any hope. I didn't think my life was going to amount to anything. And in my mind, I was in last place. But something happened and things changed and it switched up. And and so in my mind I've went in being a dad and being a great grandparent and being having a good career and in a, a great family I've gone from feeling like I'm in last place to feeling like I'm in first place. Mm-hmm. So my word would definitely be favor. Good question. Good question. Yeah, did, did I did I do okay? Did I answer your questions best I could? You did awesome. We, we good? Okay, Especially cool, cool,
2: cool. for being on the spot. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I appreciate it. So listen, I really, man, I could sit here and listen, just the dialogue. I could listen to y'all all night long, but unfortunately, we can't. So I've really, really enjoyed uh, just chopping up with you all. I can't wait until this episode is aired because I know it's going to be fire. Would you come back one day and hang out with me again?
2: Yes, I would. I would love, I would, I'd do anything for you, Kevin. <laughs> this is fun. I wish, I wish, we, I was thinking while we were talking that I wished we were all together and we were sitting around together and could have, you know, just life would bring us together in person. And well, I miss, life is bringing I miss us these, together. I miss being able to converse like yeah. this.
1: We can make this happen though. We can definitely make this happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's plan on making that happen. Uh, thank you all for listening to a another episode of Safe Conversations. I really enjoyed uh, hanging out with Ashley Nelson and Lucy Woodhouse tonight. And tune in next time. Until then,
0: peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, stitcher tune in odyssey amazon music or where you get your podcast find kevin waits on facebook at kevin waits and join the safe conversations group follow the mean o-line media podcast network on ig at mean o-line media get the mean o-line media app in the app store or google play the safe conversations with kevin waits podcast is a mean o-line media production